Welcome to our classroom. In this space, we talk about education, which is inclusive of, but not limited to, what happens in schools. Education is taking place whenever and wherever we are willing to learn. I am your host, Roberto Germán, and our classroom is officially in session. Start here, start now by Liz Kleinrock. It's a practical guide to anti-bias and anti-racist work in schools. It implements social justice work while building traditional literacy skills at the same time. There is no one and done lesson or book when it comes to social justice and culturally reflective teaching. This book is meant to help educators break habits that are holding them back from this work, as well as build positive, sustainable teaching for the future. Learn more and purchase. Start here, start now at Heinemann.com. Back with us once again for the third and final part of a poetry series author Umi Modeste. Yes, yes, yes. She is the author of Because I Knew. And today we are going to be breaking down her poem, Hyphenated. Umi is a native of Brooklyn, New York, where she attended, graduated, and served the New York City public school system. She recently retired after 30 years. Umi is also an active member of the Brello Teaching Network. With us today, Umi Modeste. Let's transition to our third and final piece, Hyphenated. My favorite. This is one of my... Well, you'll, you'll, you'll have to share why a- after you read okay, it. Okay, okay. I, did, I didn't know this was your favorite. Yes, this is my favorite. Uh, I guess you're mandating that I wait till the end. I am. <sighs> okay, it's your podcast. It is. <laughs> Hyphenated. Mkosa Melani Mtumwa. He who has no cultural identity is a slave. I am who I say I am. Am I not? I am called African American, that strange hybrid species of human that has no homeland. Africa, Barbados, Puerto Rico, USA. That's the way my bloodlines flow. Africans tell me distastefully that I am an American. Caribbean queens call me Yagiyal. In America, where I was born and raised, I am just another black girl from the ghetto. More privileged than some, certainly blessed, but just another black girl from the ghetto, just the same. On any street in Africa or the Caribbean, I am American, so extravagant, so arrogant. On the street in America, where I was born and raised, I am not seen as teacher, poet, interpreter. I am thief, welfare mom, tramp. In your mental dictionary next to American, do you see me? In any town USA, I am, at best, outsider, interloper, novelty, or worse, invisible. 
in America, where I was born and raised, I am fenced in, boxed out, redlined, and disenfranchised. I am called African American. I ain't never called myself no kind of American. Because in the United States of inbred hate, American don't apply to me. I am who I say I am. Am I not? When George W. used to say, my fellow Americans, he ain't mean me. I am not African enough for my continent-born brothers and sisters. And most white folks sure ain't claiming me in their America. There is a ripple somewhere in the Atlantic that can tell me who I am. Rusty chains rattle to tell my story. Restless spirits whisper to me in my sleep, telling me to return to our mother. But dear mother... My siblings won't claim me as their own. African-American, I am both. I am neither. I am the lost child of the diaspora. I am the wandering daughter of a distant mother. The hyphen covers the part of me that is missing. I am who I say I am. Am I not? Salute, salute, salute. Now, why is this your favorite piece? Well, first of all, I must give credit where credit is due. I struggled with this piece. It was, it was growing inside of me, pushing and churning and keeping me. It sounds like pregnancy. It was. Not that I've ever experienced pregnancy. I was Uh. pregnant with this poem for a long time. And you and Lorena helped me through the gestational process, through labor and into delivery with this poem. That's wild because I, I really do not remember this at all. Yes, yes. It was many years ago and I called, called you several times. I don't know what to say. I'm trying to say this. And you gave me suggestions and helped me push this poem out. So this poem is my favorite, or at least in my top five, um, because it really, it really speaks to how I feel as someone who can't trace her roots back very far on either side. I recently learned about two more generations on my mother's side that I didn't know about. Thanks to Facebook. (laughs) I posted on Facebook and a cousin responded and said, this is your grandmother, your great grandmother and your great, great grandmother. Technology is amazing. Amazing when used appropriately. Yes. So I wrote this, um, after having visited Tanzania for the first time. And finding myself feeling very much at home and seeing representations of myself everywhere in ways in which I did not see representations of myself in the land of my birth, in government, on television, in various aspects of education, 
just walking down the street in entertainment. And so the first part of the poem before the verses even begin is, is written in Kiswahili. Mkosa mila ni mtumwa. He who has no cultural identity is a slave. I love the diversity of language that you use throughout this publication. Thank you. I am a lover. The whole book. I'm a lover of languages. No, it's it's beautiful and simple ways to affirm the different languages, but also to encourage people to try that on. I'm glad you said that. However minute it might be. I'm glad you said that because it reminds me to say that that is a key component in my classroom to encourage my students to write in whatever language they feel comfortable. Now I'm an older teacher, so I bristle a little bit with the profanity, but when we're talking about, yes, you, you know, you had a couple words there yes. on my clean show. Yes. But well, we, I only we had don't... one. I only had one word. No, no. Cause you say it twice in the same standard. Oh, so that makes it twice. Oh, okay. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yes. Yes. But you know, but that's real. That's it, real. It is real. That's it, my we... that's my real lived experience. And same mm-hmm. thing with my students. I will encourage them to branch out with their vocabulary, but it depends. Like sometimes they need to use words that I would prefer they learn how not to use. But I'm not going to stop them in their writing process and expressing their emotions just because I want them to quote unquote, clean up their language. So, um, I am a lover of language. And I think that if, as we learn to treat each other with dignity, dignity and respect, we will also embrace our various languages. Language is beautiful. Language is beautiful. And the more we learn about one another's languages, the more we learn about each other culturally and learn to just see the humanity in each other. Now, you were saying that part of the inspiration for this piece came from the affirmation that you felt seeing yourself represented while you were in Tanzania. Mm-hmm. And yet there's a line here that says, Africans tell me distastefully mm-hmm. that I am a Mary, a Mary, a Mary, I can. Yes. A Mary, can. Yes. Yes. So. That, that sounded more Dominican than African, but. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> so the visual representation that I saw of myself when in Tanzania was very affirming. As long as I didn't open my mouth. Once I opened my mouth and it became clear that. I was an American, the whole dynamic would change. <laughs> the whole dynamic would change. And that's, that's, not, that's not just what happened to me on the continent. That happens to me in New York City with African immigrants who come to New York City and are treated differently from American-born African, uh, American-born African-Americans and buy into the idea and also Caribbean Caribbean immigrants too who buy into the idea that American born blacks are shiftless and lazy and that's why we have the problems the social problems that we do 
because we've essentially created them ourselves. So many layers. So many layers. <laughs> I am of Caribbean descent. My grandparents are from Barbados. My grandparents on my mother's side are, are ba- were Bayesian. My father's side, we can only go back two generations, so we don't really know where they originated. We know some of the stops along the way, Panama, Puerto Rico, but we don't really know everything. And in my own family and in my extended family, there is that, well, you were born in the States, so (laughs) we know about you. You know, that kind of thing. Right. So, and even in my friend community, I have Caribbean-born friends who have even said like, oh, you're not like most Americans. What does that mean? (laughs) What does that mean? Because I'm well-educated, because I have multiple degrees, Mm. because I'm articulate, that means I'm different from most American-born Blacks? No, no. And then this experience when I went to Tanzania and I traveled with Americans, Canadians, um, Kenyans, Indians, people from all over, I actually had people say to me, I didn't know black American women were like you. We thought black American women were lazy, promiscuous, uneducated. All of these negative stereotypes from basically media and who runs media. Not us. Not not black folk. No. That's what it is, people. We just we just speaking the truth here. Yep. So, how can this be applied in the classroom? Again, connected to identity. If we don't know ourselves, if we don't take pride in who we are, how can we expect to be treated with dignity and respect if we don't have self-respect? So this piece was, for me, an opportunity to really get out all of the angst that I had around my own identity. I am American-born of Caribbean descent. I have never felt comfortable calling myself an American, and I have never felt more American than when I've traveled outside of the United States. Crazy. Because people will let me know, girl, you American. Quick. (laughs) Quick. You're like, oh, wait. I thought I was mad. Insert ethnicity. Right. I I understand. Right. Completely. So that was, that was where, that was the genesis of this piece was having having that experience and then having someone who is Kenyan born of Indian descent, but who identifies as Kenyan tell me that I'm not African-American, that I can't claim Africa. Oh my. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then, um, uh, layers. Yes. And then a young lady, who is from Puerto Rico, tell me, well, black people in America are worse off than Latin people. That was the term at the time. 
because at least Latinos have their own language. I was like, really? So okay. you speak the language of the colonizers, right? Like, so you speak Taino. Spanish is just another language of the colonizer, just like English. What are you talking about? People are so ignorant. Ignorant is the word. So, so all of that. This piece was many years in the writing because the 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 oof, the wordless discomfort in my soul was just there gestating, waiting for me to find the words to express it. Mm, and well, so, and by doing so, and by sharing this with my students and explaining to them what I went through, it gave them the opportunity to say, yeah, I struggled with that too. Or it never occurred to me that people might struggle with that. So all of that. Well, Thanks for the inspiration. I want to wrap this up on a positive note. Absolutely. What is a message of encouragement that you have for our audience? My message of encouragement is very simple. Love yourself and then love your neighbor. That's it. If you love yourself, if you honor your own humanity, if you learn to respect every aspect of your being, how can you then turn to the next person and mistreat them? But you have to love yourself first, because if you don't love yourself, there's no way you can see the humanity in the person next to you. So that's my message. Love yourself and then turn and love your neighbor. Thanks for the message. Thanks for sharing these beautiful pieces from the book, Because I Knew. For those that are interested in purchasing the book or following you, can you give us some information of where they can do that? Sure. You can follow me on Instagram at Because I Knew. You can purchase the book at the book patch, the book patch, P-A-T-C-H dot com online bookstore. You go to the bookpatch.com and then go to the bookstore and search because I knew. And very soon I will be dropping my website within the next 30 days. You will, you will see my website. You can email me at because I knew book at gmail.com or at umi.modesti, M-O-D-E-S-T-E. And they could email you to for bookings. Yes. In, in terms of readings, excerpts from the book, yes. writing workshops, so on and so forth. Absolutely. And also for consulting because not only are you author poet, but you are an educational consultant, is that correct? I am indeed. So listen people, we have an extremely talented individual with a lot of experience so much knowledge, so much to give about the community. And we need to get behind this. Purchase Because I Knew. Follow Umi at Because I Knew, correct? Correct. And again, the website will be available soon. But in the meantime, you can email Umi. The information will be in the show notes. Thank you for your time. 
when we thank you for all that you've offered us. You've been absolutely amazing. And I look forward to having you on once again in the future. Thank you so much, Roberto, for this opportunity. As always, your engagement in our classroom is greatly appreciated. Be sure to subscribe, rate the show, and write a review. Finally, for resources to help you understand the intersection of race, bias, education, and society, go to multiculturalclassroom.com. Peace and love from your host, Roberto Hermann.